Today on the show, I'm happy to have Malik Abrahim. He's a CEO of Redeem Solar Technologies, where the sun does it better. And you were just telling me you're building an artificial tree. What exactly does that look like? So the artificial tree is basically something that has a material inside it that we call photocatalyst. And this takes the energy from sunlight and does a chemical reaction. And this chemical reaction is what has been causing a lot of CO2 emissions in the last maybe 200 years since the Industrial Revolution. And this caused a lot of damage to the environment. So that artificial tree, if you want to picture it, it looks like an artificial leaf that has the material inside it that is basically mimicking that green material inside the leaf that can take the energy from sunlight and do something useful for it. Actually, if you want to see, I have a small leaf here with me. So this is how the leaf should look like. This is how the leaf looks like today, but in, in the future, it will look a little bit simpler. And inside the leaf, the material is not always green. So it can be actually pink, like what you see here, and it can be other colors. It really depends on what chemistry we're doing. So we're kind of, you know, agnostic to chemistry. We can do a lot of useful reactions that end up giving you a lot of the materials that you have, polymers, fuels, pharmaceuticals. Wherever you think chemistry happens, this can actually solve a lot of problems with the sustainability of the chemical industry today. So is this artificial photosynthesis? Exactly. It's an artificial photosynthesis, yes. Um, this is and, very... Yeah, and actually, so th th this concept, maybe just to elaborate a little bit more, this concept is not something that we invented, but we do it in a much more efficient and clever way. Because the way they do it today is that they would take the energy from sunlight with a PV cell, a photovoltaic cell, and then take the electricity, put it in a chemical reactor, and do their reactor. We combine the chemical reactor and the PV cell in one device, which is the leaf that I just showed you. And this solves a lot of problems in industry because now you don't have to have a battery in between. You don't have the inverter. You don't have to have the connections. And it becomes simpler to the end users. A lot of the end users are not used to this concept of artificial photosynthesis. So you want to give them something simple, something modular and something easy to deploy. So if you can combine these pieces of equipment and fewer pieces of equipment that can function well and are not so problematic, then this is definitely an advantage. And uh, you see the name of the game here is how fast can we transition to these green uh, chemistry methods? And the simpler you make it, the faster the transition will happen. So. Let's say I'm just an average consumer here wanting to use this. What do I do? Plug my smartphone into the tree? Actually, if you need electricity, you do not use our artificial tree. So our artificial tree makes material. If you just need electricity, you basically get a PV cell, and then you have a power inverter, and this should give you electricity to basically charge your phone or even charge your electric car. You come to us if you need materials. So if you need fuel, if you need hydrogen, if you need monomers and polymers and fine chemicals, if you need detergents, if you need shampoo or materials that go in making these kind of things, this is where you come to the artificial tree. This is where you harvest the material from. All right, so now I'm a little bit lost. So I go okay. to this artificial tree and it's going to give me polymers. It's going to produce materials for me. How yes. is it going to produce gasoline fuel and how is it going to produce these things? So this is actually a very good question. So you start with the raw material. So let's say, for example, you start with water. So water is H2O. So H is hydrogen, O is oxygen, yeah? If you actually put water inside this artificial leaf, it will split the water molecule back to its elements, the hydrogen and oxygen. And the artificial leaf is made in a way to separate the hydrogen and oxygen. 
So you will get a pure hydrogen stream coming out from the tree. And then you take this pipe that's coming out from the tree and you can take this hydrogen and you can fill a truck, a train, or an aeroplane, and then it will fly on hydrogen because hydrogen is a fuel. But when hydrogen burns, it goes back to H2O. So there's no carbon being produced in this process. So no carbon is involved in the making of the fuel or burning of the fuel. This is a net zero carbon emission process. Did this make it a little bit simpler to you? So if I'm burning hydrogen as a fuel source, do I just have a puddle of water at the end? Okay. So this is the whole green hydrogen push being spelled out. Exactly. So the, the fossil fuel that everyone is talking about is basically based on carbon and hydrogen. So you burn carbon, you get carbon dioxide. You burn hydrogen and you get water. Now we take the carbon element out of the fuel and we keep the hydrogen. Now, when we take the carbon out, there is no carbon dioxide anymore. That's basically what we do. When you say artificial tree, of course, I think of an actual tree made with those panels. Is that what these things actually look like, or is it more of a lab type setup? It's actually more of a solar farm. So if you ever seen the solar farms that have a lot of panels deployed on a large area, all side by side, this will look something similar to it. The only difference is that instead of cables coming out from these, there will be tubes that have material running inside the tubes. So the hydrogen, for example, and then all the panels will work together when sun shines, make the hydrogen go to a tank and you'll have the hydrogen stored in a tank. Or it can be that you have these panels or this tree actually planted somewhere where you need the hydrogen directly. So they can just feed whatever you need to run on hydrogen directly with the panels. That's how the tree looks. So it does not look like a real, it can, but this is not the most economic way of making it. Yeah. What's preventing us from just deploying this type of technology and switching everything to hydrogen? Ah, that's actually a very good question. The name of the game here when it comes to this photocatalysis is how much can you make meters square? Because it's back in the days, these were not very efficient. So you needed to deploy many of the units to make a reasonable amount that you can fuel a car or a train with. Now, with all the advancements that went into the field, now you can have a much higher efficiency. So you can convert more of the sunlight that's coming onto the panel or the leaf to something useful. So the efficiency or how much you produce per unit area is what was preventing us. The other thing is the cost of making these panels. And the more we scale up these panels, the cheaper they get. So now you can have them in a, an economic way. Back in the days, it was not feasible. So you're a chemical engineer by training, but you're trying to make this with a business mindset. Like it needs to be commercially available to, to actually get my technology off the ground. Was that always your thought process or was that a shift over time? It was definitely the goal and it's still the goal. It's just that as we move through the process, it's not what I thought at least as a person when I started. As you mentioned, I am a chemical engineer. I used to be an R&D for the industry for some time, and I developed some technologies for the industry, but I have never done this on my own because I was always part of a big corporate. Now, as we have our own startup, it started by building the team. So it's actually very important if you want to commercialize something that you build the right team. So I'm a technical person and I'm planning to stay this way. I understand business but I definitely also trust my business development partners who do this way, me, and we work together to do this. 
One thing that I learned from this startup is how to build a team. And I think the very important element that everyone needs to build a team is actually to learn how to listen. Because listening comes at the core of this. Listen to people. And listening involves asking the right questions, knowing when to listen to people, and knowing what kind of questions you need to ask those people. Because it's not only that you need to find the people with the right skill set, but they also need to be able to work with me as a technical founder and understand how I operate and tell me what I need to do and how I should do it to bring it to the market. You know what I mean? Building the team, listening to your co-founders and business partners is the most important thing that every technical founder needs to consider if they plan to go ahead with their startup. Yeah, it's relying on other people's strengths that complement your own. Absolutely. So if one of our listeners wanted to learn more about this technology or get in touch with you or the company, how could they do so? There is a website that does not really reveal much of the information, and we keep it this way for a reason. If they want to talk more about the technology, they can definitely reach out to me on my LinkedIn or my email address. It's malik.atredeemtechnologies.com. Thank you, Malik, for coming on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. Make sure to smash that subscribe button. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.